you dumbass. Get the f- out. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. All right, what's happening, everybody? This is the Philly Experience Podcast. Welcome back today alongside Tanner Gilmar and entire hood. Get off the box! It's great. I like the energy, too. I like bringing it early because (laughs) there's a big game this weekend. I don't know if any of you guys heard about it, but there's a big game this weekend. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, you know, guys, obviously going into this game, there's a ton of speculation about Tom Brady, his 10th Super Bowl. Will he get number seven? Um, it's pretty crazy. Most people don't get the one Super Bowl. He's going to go to his 10th here. And then you have Patrick Mahomes and Tanner's mentioned it uh, all week long and even last week as well, how they finished the regular season so poorly. They really don't have any momentum. Uh, they get down big early on in games and they got to fight their way back. So see, I'll throw it to you first here. Mm-hmm. Just first thoughts on this Super Bowl. Obviously, it's a pretty awesome matchup, but where, which way are you leaning on this one? Well, first off, I, I got to say this. Y'all know I'm a defensive guy, so y'all know I care a whole, whole lot about defense. Um, there will be no defense played uh, this coming Sunday. I can tell you that right now. It, a matter of fact, it's going to be defense, no D. All right, I, I've, I'm trademarking that slogan. All right, because, come on, man, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got the young GOAT, you know, going up against the old GOAT, you know, two primarily offensive teams, you know, going at it. And while the Buccaneers defense has started to improve and so is the Chiefs defense, I still feel as though this is going to be an offensive onslaught. And I am leaning more towards Chiefs, though, although I will say this, it is never wise to bet against Tom Brady. All right. Spreads will say spreads will say that throughout history. It is not wise to bet against Tom Brady. However, in this circumstance, I just feel like Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, I just feel like it's going to be too much for that Bucks defense. Patrick Mahomes with his ability to extend plays with his legs. On top of that, there isn't a cornerback in the NFL that can keep up with Tyreek's Hill explosiveness and speed. And on top of that, when you do decide to double team Tyreek Hill, oh, okay, there's Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. So I just think that this Chiefs offense it just has way too much going. Now, T, I did agree with one thing that you said, never bet against Tom Brady. That's something we learned even more so this season, especially. New team, still same place that he's at at the end of the season, Super Bowl. Um, I think that it is going to be defense that makes a difference in this game. I think that Bucks defense, four-man rush, uh, Pat Mahomes scrambling back there uh, in the pocket, I think that's going to be a problem. And the Chiefs are going to either have to decide <laughs> – they're going to have to figure that out or that they can't win the game. It's as simple as that. And I know Tom Brady maybe tried for that. Now, now it's Barber gate this season uh, for the Super Bowl <laughs> with the, the chiefs barber um, getting, um, I believe he COVID test result came mm-hmm. back mid haircut. Um, and then he had Patrick Mahomes and a couple of other guys scheduled later that day, I believe to get a haircut. Um, it's going to be, as I mentioned, that four man rush for the Buccaneers. Uh, We've seen it all year. Uh, Max brought up how the the Chiefs, uh, they they sort of, they got here. They they got here in the Super Bowl, but at the end of the season, they were barely winning the games. We look back at that Falcons game. They only lost. They could have went into OT, but that missed field goal. So I think this is all going to come down to that Chiefs O-line. And I I think the Bucs are going to win. Really? Wow. Mm. As much as I hate to say that. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, see, you say there's not going to be too much defense played in this game, but no, I want I you to focus so. on the Tampa Bay defense because Tampa Bay going on the road for three straight playoff games, their defense played pretty well under that tutelage there of Todd Bowles, a Temple guy. Yes. But just touch on this defense because I know that they have the better defense. I think we know Tyron Matthew for the Chiefs, we get it, very talented player. But when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you have, you know, uh, Jason Pierre Paul, you have the Dominican Sue, still productive even at his age. You have Sean Monty Burping there back in the secondary. Solid player. He's made some plays this season. He's also got burned a few times, but he's also made some plays. He's a little inconsistent, but still talented. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been great. He missed that previous game against the Packers with an injury. But just speak to the secondary as a whole. Obviously, you have Levante David there in the middle of that defense as well. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, that Buccaneer, like I said, that Buccaneers defense, like I said, they have improved over the week, especially their pass rush. Oh, my gosh. Jason Pierre-Paul has definitely had a resurgence in his career um, coming from the Giants and that incident with his hand and fireworks. He has definitely had a resurgence in his career, not to mention the fact that in the middle of that defense, you still have a dominating the Dama Kung Su. And then you have the undrafted guy 
from a year or two ago in Shaq Barrett, who has really come on and has been like this pass rush specialist. Like, I don't, I, if you guys um, go back to the Green Bay Packers um, NFC Championship game, Shaq Barrett was all over Aaron Rodgers the entire game. Like, he was, he was beating the tackles off of the snap count. Like, he was getting off the snap count better than the offensive tackles of the Green Bay Packers. Like, his timing is impeccable. His speed off the edge is incredible. Like you said, this <laughs> this Buccaneers defense, it, they're going to give Patrick Mahomes a run for the money, but here's the thing. When you start rushing at Patrick Mahomes like that, that's when his ability um, to extend plays with his legs, that's when that comes into play, unfortunately. So you're going to kind of have to be careful about how you um, rush after Patrick Mahomes because that's how the big plays and the explosive plays happen. Yeah, I feel like they have the perfect combination of linemen, you know, JPP, and then you have the Dominican Subashek, like you mentioned. Then you have Devin White, and you have Lamonte David in the middle of that linebacker core right there. After that, you look in the secondary. Sean Monty Burfing, who I already mentioned, but they have Jordan Whitehead as well, pretty decent safety. And then obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. So to have a weakness is probably in that secondary, but it's not the worst secondary in the world. It could definitely be worse. And I also want to bring up the fact that Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle for last week or two weeks ago now against the Bills, also what was at tour towards Achilles. So they're going to miss both their offensive tackles. It's not going to be an easy ride for Patrick Mahomes, but my opinion is the fact that, you know, we've seen the Chiefs be down so many times previously exactly. in games, whether it be season, whether it be playoff games, even last season. And now you look forward here and you say to yourself, even if they're down in the fourth quarter, are they really down? Because you look at that Texans game last year, for example, they were down 24-3. And you, even we all thought, all right, game's not over because they got Patrick Mahomes. So now the fact that, you know, even they're running Tom Brady, which is a different animal in itself. You don't want to get behind Tom Brady ever in games because he's so great with clock management, things like that. But it's like all Patrick Mahomes needs to put up seven points is that quick 80 yard play. And it's like snap of the finger. That's it. Exactly. You know, and then the game's over. Or, you know, they get the lead back at least. And maybe the game's over because if the Buccaneers get the ball back and don't score, could he very well have it again? They can go boom, 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 right down the field. Next thing you're down 20, uh, 21 to three or something like that, you know, because the Buffalo Bills were up nine, nothing. Next thing you know, they look up at the scoreboard to down like two touchdowns. So the thing, it, it can change like that quickly. That's why I think makes this matchup so entertaining. Um, not only do you have the two quarterbacks going at it, but you have pretty similar defenses, even though I think Buccaneers is, is better. And then you have the top heavy players like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill versus the depth of the Buccaneers, which we haven't talked about that. And I'll throw mm-hmm. this one to Tanner here. You think the Buccaneers are going to win? And listen, I don't think either of us, me and T, uh, would be shocked if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win, but just speak to that offense. You know, they have, um, they have Ronald Jones, who's been great in the regular season. They have Leonard Fournette, who was terrible in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, all of a sudden it looks like, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars, Leonard Fournette. And then you look at the outside, Mike Evans, he's been banged up. He's got a lot of scrutiny because of his injuries. He can't stay healthy. He's been productive. Chris Godwin, who's battled injuries all year long, is finally healthy. And now in the playoffs, he had the finger injury early on in the season. And then the guy we haven't even mentioned, Antonio Brown, when he's your third best receiver on the team, you know, it's pretty dangerous. And fourth guy, who basically not a lot of people talk about, but he did catch a touchdown last week, and that was Scotty Miller. So just speak to this offense as a whole. Like Your confidence level has to be pretty high if you think the Buccaneers are going to win. Is, is it because of that offense and all that firepower? What? It's because it's because every position you look at, you're you're confident that if if it's not that first guy, it's the next guy that steps up. They they have so they have great depth on this team. It's it's like a Madden fantasy football team. <laughs> um, you have as you mentioned the wide receivers Antonio Brown. He's your third best wide receiver. You're set as you mentioned. Um, I'm just confident that behind Tom Brady. Um, that this team is going to be able to prevail over the Chiefs. And I look over to the other side, and you mentioned the absences that the Chiefs are going to have on that offensive line. That means Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be scrambling. He's going to be running around. He, he could pull off a, a couple of no-look um, touchdown passes, throws, but I think it's going to go down to also his mistakes that are made. I think he's going to throw a, a crucial interception that's going to change the, uh, the tide of the game um, because – the Buccaneers, they have a better rush defense than passing defense. But yeah. um, now with those two absences again on the line, um, I think I think that's gonna that's really gonna play an effect to it's gonna be the Buccaneers defense that that rush, that dangerous rush that they've been showing off. And then it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes, how he's gonna handle this. And I, I just think I think the Bucs are gonna be able to take care of business. The Bucs have a stronger team. 
Uh, now, the, now the Chiefs have a great team. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they've got the best tight end in the league. They can depend on him a lot. But Tom Brady, he's been there. Of course, we know this is his 10th Super Bowl. Um, and he's he's ready to get his seventh one. He's determined. And who knows? Maybe Brady will forget what down it is. But um, I also <laughs> want to bring up a fact that that Andy Reid, he's been to the Super Bowl three times. And all three times, it's been in Florida. So that's also a, a fun fact mm. that I uh, I saw. But, yeah, I'm sticking with the Bucks. I hate to say it, but um, I think Tom Brady is going to get his seventh Super Bowl ring. And it's really going to solidify him as the best player. I mean, me, here, here's the thing, though, man. I already see Tom Brady as the, as the GOAT, all right? I, there, I don't think there's going to be anybody better. There hasn't been anybody better in the past. I'm not afraid to admit that, all right? Tom Brady will go down in history as the greatest football player to ever live let's there's no doubt about that regardless if he wins right. this game or not now max brought up something um earlier where it, here's where here's where this game is going to be really interesting max brought up the fact that you know that the chiefs are you know known for coming back especially last season's playoffs where especially more historically that texans come back where they were down in the half they, they were down in the first quarter and then they came back towards the end of the first half and eventually they would go on to win a game and win a Super Bowl, of course. So here's the thing. Both of these teams, all right, both of these teams, both of these players, to be honest with you, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, they have a history of coming back. Of course, Tom Brady, we all remember the Super Bowl where they were down 28-3 to the Atlanta Falcons, and he comes, he brings them back and, and ties the game in the fourth quarter, and of course the game goes into overtime and the rest is history. So it this game is going to be really interesting because – you cannot count any of these teams out. Like, like if one team is up, like let's say twenty-one-three, that team is not out of it. The losing team is just not out of it. You cannot count them out because of the fact that these teams and these players, these quarterbacks, have been in positions and have succeeded in cut and bringing their teams back. Now, I don't want to overlook this Chiefs defense. They have Frank Clark, still a very great player. They have Chris Jones, another great player, Tyler Matthew, who we already mentioned. But I think it's the guys that we haven't mentioned yet, the guys who are basically hit or miss. We've seen Bashad Breeland, cornerback there, have struggles in his past previously in Washington. Now he's also come out and made some pretty big plays, you know, now that he's it's later on in his career. So I think it's going to be one in the trenches. Will the young and established offensive line that they put in front of Tom Brady be able to hold up? against Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and that defensive hey, line. Hey, Max, you sound like me in the trenches. That's yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about. Their linebacker core with Anthony Hitchens, it's not the best. I mean, and, and then they have Daniel Swordson back there as well. And, I, I mean, there's names that you recognize, right? But I think the more prominent names, at least from previous history, and the names that a casual fan would know is the Ndamukong Susan and Jason Pierre-Pauls. But you also have to look at the talent that the Chiefs have because they're no pushover as well, but I think if you're going to look at the winner here, besides the super talented arm of Patrick Holmes and, and the speed of Tyreek Hill, it's going to be one, the Tampa Bay's O-line. And can, 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 will Kansas City be able to get enough pressure on Tom Brady and, and be able to force him into mistakes? Because here's the thing. He went on the road to Green Bay. He threw three interceptions. If you, if you tell me before the game yes. Tom Brady's going to go into Green Bay and he's going to throw three interceptions, you're probably going to say the Buccaneers lose that game, yet they win by a touchdown. So in your opinion, is Tom Brady – Really going to be able to – like like if he has the lead in the fourth quarter, say he's got a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, hypothetical right. situation. All right. Are you still confident? Even though it's two score – it's not a one-score game. It's a two-score game. And say it's early on in the fourth quarter. Mm. Is, do you guys think that Patrick Mahomes will be able to come back and, and win, win by a touchdown? Or do you think because of how you know lackadaisical they've been playing, at least offensively, the end his recent injury, his recent concussion, I'm not making excuses that might have something to do with it other than playing maybe not at his best, at least going into this game. Uh, do you think that, you know, he'll still have the opportunity and you wouldn't be surprised? I know we wouldn't be surprised, but do you think that he'll be able to pull off, pull this off because of the fact that he doesn't have a lot of momentum going into this game right now? I know they've been winning, but they haven't been the Kansas City Chiefs of what we've seen. That's not true. Listen, listen, listen. All right. That, like I said, like I said before, this Chiefs defense is starting to uh, starting to really pick up. And I, I've always I love Steve Spagnuolo on the way he commands his Chiefs defense. I know we're talking about offense. I'll get the offense in a minute, but I just got to say this, say this real quick. Steve Spagnuolo, he, his plays remind me so much of, of the Jim Johnson defense here in Philadelphia. So that defense is starting to pick up. And yes, I do think that Pat, I do have confidence that Patrick Mahomes can still come back, like regardless of regardless of, you know, how their offense has been performing. Like, I I'm sorry, but 
the the Chiefs just they are like a well oiled machine. And it's like Tanner said, with a flick of the wrist, snap of the finger, boom, there's a seventy yard play to to Tyreek Hill. Or boom, twenty five plus yards over the middle to Travis Kelsey. Just with the snap of a finger, a blink of an eye, and boom, they're in position to um, close the gap. So, like I said before, I don't care how big the lead is, regardless of, you know, who's in the lead or not. Any one of these teams, you can't get comfortable. And that's a story, right? Because on one hand, you have T, like, listen, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's going to lead a team back regardless if they're down 10 points or not. Tanner side of things, where's the momentum at? You know, give me some proof and recency bias here. Like, where has Patrick Mahomes been able to do this recently? So I understand both sides of the argument. Basically, flip a coin. Before we move on here, I want to get score predictions here. Obviously, Tanner has the Bucks going. Where's the score prediction going? And any other factoids you want to throw on top of it? Let's see. I um, oh, good Tanner. Now this score, it, it could either be a high-scoring game or or a t- like a, a lower scoring game than we're used to. But I think we're going to go high with the 38 to 34 final score. Mm. I do agree with the high score uh, mentality. I, I see a 34, 31 victory for the chiefs. I do see, I think the over under in this game is like 44 and a half. It's, it's definitely going to go over. There's no doubt about that. The, like I said, these teams, these offenses are just way too explosive. They have way too many playmakers. All right. For, either one of these teams did not score. Yeah, for me, something that just – I don't know what it is, but something's telling me I don't think the Chiefs get to 30 points. Hmm. And I think that's what I'm going to draw the line at. So I think the final score – Oh, no! 28-23, Kansas City. Hmm. I think Tampa Bay will be able to keep it close, but I think it's going to be another late comeback from Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to be able to slam the door. So – Listen, previously, uh, way months back there in the summertime, I said Patrick Mahomes will not win five Super Bowls out of 10 years. So my <laughs> prediction is already, you know, if he yeah, wins, I'm already man. in trouble with that prediction. But we'll see. We'll right. see. Let, let, the, reason, Shut up. the reason that I bring up uh, earlier that, that Tom Brady solidifies his position as the best uh, player ever is because if he wins the Super Bowl, you look back at it for years to come. When Tom Brady finally retires when he's 50 years old, you look <laughs> back, Patrick Mahomes is still playing. And you go back to this game when they faced off in the Super Bowl and what Patrick Mahomes is able to do. Uh, he's been in the league, what, four, four years, mm-hmm. four, five yeah, years. Something like um, that. So two Super Bowls, if he wins, um, and with that contract, you'd expect him to go to at least five. Um, and, and who knows if he wins five Super Bowls. But this is a game where you look back, really, at, for the legend of, of Patrick Mahomes. You look back where it really started, uh, t- uh, the, the two-peat in the Super Bowl, maybe a three-peat. We don't know. It could happen next season. But this is a critical game for his, for his um, history. Yeah, I want to wrap it up on this point here. That, that just made me think of something. Who's who retires first, LeBron James or Tom Brady? Ooh, man, that's a hard one. That is a well, hard. How, how many years? How many look years? Lifespan. Look at the lifespan of the NBA, right? Because you have maybe the, the LeBron might want to play to forty, but the body in the NBA is just it's different than playing a football, especially at the quarterback position. That's true. But however, LeBron James is still playing at a very high level and still doing the same things, if not better than and he was doing in his prime. Think about that for a minute. That's a hard question to ask. Yeah, yeah but Tom Brady on a new team still brings them to the Super Bowl, and it's the Buccaneers, mind you. He has a, a great um, staff around him, um, a great bunch of teams. But, yeah, I, I think uh, – how many years until LeBron James' son is in the league? <laughs> I think that's going to determine I, I think, it. I, I think, I think he wants to play with Bron. Yeah, I think it's three years. So it's about damn time. We'll see. I, I think I, I Tom Brady better. retires first. I, I think so too. But the way he talks about, I want to play till I'm fifty. Like, who knows with this guy? Like, that's, I'm not going to second guess him. Right? That's not impossible. The way he's right. been playing and the way he takes care of his body in the off season, it's not impossible. Just saying. All right, let's talk. Let, let's dive into this Eagles topic and talk about uh, you know a terrible team instead of two good teams. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, right now, listen. Uh, we've been going back and forth on this for weeks about when. We're going backwards, damn it! Let's go. Listen, we talked about Sirianni last week, and 
it is what it is, right? We, we all have an opinion, but we don't know what the facts are with this guy. He doesn't really have a big track record of head coaching in the league, actually none. But he does have, you know, a track record of some winning some games here and there as an assistant, as a wide receivers coach, blah, blah. But this all comes back to the quarterback position and Carson Wentz. And now we're hearing rumors that the trade market for Carson Wentz is heating up. Not surprising um, to some, surprising to me, because I thought they brought Nick Sirianni in to fix Carson Wentz. And clearly that's not the deal. They forced Doug Peterson out of town when, you know, if, if you're going to get rid of Wentz, Doug Peterson wasn't the issue in my opinion. You know, he had a bad season. He made some questionable decisions, but I pretty much think that Howie Rosen wanted to fire him because, you know, he wanted to fire him just because now I got a new guy in here. So big picture here, Carson Wentz, he's the main topic today, so we'll touch on him. But really, you guys can go anywhere with this question. I'll just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. So you want to touch on Wentz and maybe the, the the possible trade destinations? Do you want to touch on the turmoil? Where's your head at right now? All right, so um, to back up real quick on what you said, um, the organization fired Doug Peterson due to the fact that um, the coaching staff that he wanted to bring back and assemble was not up to the standard that the organization was him because he didn't really have a good committee there, right? Yes, we, we can agree. It, yes, I, I I completely agree with that. I, I listen. Doug Peterson was a good coach when he was here. All right, this is the man who brought us our first Super Bowl. So of course, you know he's a Super Bowl winning coach. So there's gonna be there's gonna be some history there. But I seen what he was pre- like. I seen the coaches that he wanted to bring back, and I'm sorry, like. If those are the coaches that you were really going to bring back, that then his firing is justifiable. I'm just saying. Like, so I, I have no complaints with that. See, here's the thing. People keep thinking that Nick Sirianni was hired to help Carson Wentz. I think differently. And it's something. It, this is something that we kind of touched on last week. It's the fact that, you know, this organization, they brought in a quarterback's coach who is a family friend of Jalen Hurts's. And let's not also forget that the main person that this team was going after was Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma's head coach. All right. Who in which Jalen Hurts played for in his last season and basically was the Heisman runner up. So let's be honest here. I don't think this organization really have cared about Carson Wentz. I think they understand that Carson Wentz it wants out. Like he's made it clearly obvious that he wants out. All right. And look, I look, if Carson wants to, wants to feel that way, you know, that's fine. Um, I'm, I, if he somehow some way sees this and watches this, let me tell you something. You're acting like a big baby. Okay. This is Philadelphia. This ain't North Dakota state, man. This is the big leagues. And listen, we don't care about your feelings, bro. We care about how you play it out there on the field. And frankly, your play stunk. Not to mention the fact that now rumors are coming out that your attitude stinks too on top of that. And then you are changing plays unnecessarily, putting players in positions that they need not be. Not to mention the fact that, you know, you've said countless times in your interviews that you never want that there's nothing wrong with your mechanics and that you don't think you need to work on that. Oh, I have plenty of film to say differently, my guy. Your your mechanics are off. And the fact is the organization lets you do what you want, which shouldn't happen, but they did. So as a result, now you want to throw a hissy fit because a second rounder basically outplays you and basically is looking to outplay you and take over your organization. And now you want to be a baby and be out because you don't want to compete. No, that's not how the game of football works, my guy. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't think that Carson Wentz was as much of a coward as as he's projected to be. I, I did not see it. I'm sorry, but if that's how you feel, then I'm I'm sorry. You, you got to go, man. I, all the power to you. I, I wish you the best of luck wherever you go, and I, I really hope that you change your attitude around because the reality is Carson Wentz did this to Carson Wentz. Organization well, didn't really we'll do anything. We'll be able to do it. We'll like like what are we going to be able to get back for him? That's all up in the air. But Tanner, how about you? What do you th- are you want to focus on on the, the just the headaches here? Do you want to focus on the, the trade destinations? Do you want to focus on the package we can get back for him? You know, now for you, where's your head at? Well, I'm just going to put this into a summary. There's so much you could say, but right now Indianapolis is on hold. I can guarantee that they they're they're getting talks in right now. They've got they what a seventy three million dollar cap um, opening up. They got the twenty first overall draft pick, Frank Wright, Press Taylor. Um, they're they're really probably just trying to figure out which plane to get Carson Wentz on <laughs> at, at this point. I think it's really close, and I think Carson um, 
before Monday, I think we're going to figure out where really? Carson Wentz is going. That's just me. I the, the talks are heating up so fast, uh, so quickly that I really think something's going to get done. Now, I would have liked to seen to to have seen a quarterback competition, but that's not the player that Carson Wentz is. He wants that guarantee. He he wants to know that he's the starting quarterback. Um, and he's right. Accountability. Um, I, we haven't seen that from Carson Wentz. Um, he, he's been, um, he's been a shadow that this off season, I don't know where he is. Um, he only came out, I believe it was for Rodney McLeod's. Yep. Um, I, I think it was for his Walter Payton, uh-huh. Payton he, yeah. uh, man of the year. Yeah. Finalist. Yep. And that's the only time I believe he came out on social media. So that, that tells you that he's just, he he's not happy with the situation, obviously, and I. It's far from repair. Max mentions that we get rid of Doug Peterson. That, that's a sign that that's going towards Carson Wentz. It, Carson Wentz is in the green at that point. All right, and then uh, even more so, Sirianni comes here. Uh, he's our head coach. So you're like, okay, looks like um, Jalen Hurts is either going to play backup or, or we're going to have to trade away Jalen Hurts, and then. You got Johnson, quarterback coach, knew Jalen Hurts since he was four. So, like, now you're in the middle. You don't know what's going on. And then you see these 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 trade rumors with the Colts. You got the Patriots, who I believe they have what draft pick? They have a, a better draft pick than the um, – Than the Colts. Than yeah. the Colts. Yeah. I think they're around 15. Yeah, fifth, number 15. Yeah. Yep, 15 overall. And then – the Raiders, there's teams that I wouldn't have thought of the Raiders. Um, now, you know, they got that situation with Derek Carr. They're not set on him anymore, um, which I was surprised. I, I thought he did. He had a good season. Um, but you have teams like that. And this is also going to be changed by the Deshaun Watson uh, ordeal over there. Now, I think the latest rumor said that now you don't know how how this can be determined, but it, it's the Broncos. It looks like that Deshaun Watson also wanted to go to as well as the dolphins. That would be, that would be something too. But I also want to bring this up to you guys, Matt Stafford. He goes to the Rams finally leaves Detroit after what? 12 seasons, um, just three playoff games. And I want to ask you guys, is this trade going to affect other, other teams um, and handle their their quarterback situation because you have Matt Stafford, obviously, and Jared Goff, who was drafted before Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. um, and he's off to Detroit. Uh, things didn't work out. They went to the playoffs, but we knew that they weren't going to go far in the playoffs. And then that surprise went over the Seahawks. But then you have Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston. They both didn't get that extension. Um, Tannehill to the Titans. Now they're a better team in the playoffs. Jameis Winston, you know what happened with his team. Um, with Now they're, we're talking about them in a Super Bowl. So I just want to know, is this going to affect other teams like Baker Mayfield, like Lamar Jackson? Josh Allen, I think he's going to secure that. But our team's going to wait longer to extend because Carson Wentz was extended, and we saw how he played after that. So I'm curious, what do you guys think? That's that's a really good question, um, honestly, and uh, it it does bring it to the fact that you know you you do bring up some excellent points because here's the thing I I understand why Carson Wentz was extended at the time he was extended because of the 2019 season in which he basically carried the Philadelphia Eagles on his back. Not to mention the fact that his MVP year in 2017, which basically helped the Eagles get to the Super Bowl. So I think. I think with everything that's gone down with Jared Goff in the trade with Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz in this situation, I do think teams are now going to be a whole lot, a whole lot more cautious, but however, quarterbacks are still a dime a dozen in the NFL. So there it's very hard to find a quarterback. So teams, when teams, when they think that they have, a, they have their guy, they have their franchise guy, they're still going to throw money at them. But I do think that contract wise, I think they're going to be a little bit more wise and maybe figure out better ways in which they can get themselves out of a situation in the case that the quarterback doesn't work out. I'm, I'm just looking at the stats here from, from Mariota because you brought up a good point there about Winston and uh, Marcus Mariota's stats. So, Marcus Mariota, in his, as a four-year starter there in Tennessee, his highest completion percentage was 68% in 
which I get, it's not great, but I mean, 68%, so first, actually, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, so I'm going to look for Jared Goff stats right now in his career, at least his first few years. But while I'm doing that, I want to touch on the fact that, you know, look at the trade in itself, right? Will it affect other quarterbacks? Definitely probably yes. will, right? Because you're not going to throw all that money at a quarterback when you're iffy on them. I think GMs are so like, they want to just hold on to that hope that these guys are going to be franchise guys. And once you have a quarterback or you think you do, you don't never want to let them go. So to answer your question with Lamar Jackson being MVP, I don't think it should affect him. I think he'll get his money. Um, I think Baker Mayfield was a big question. And for me, it was coming into the season. Will Baker Mayfield take that next step? Will he be able to get to the playoffs? Will he be able to have a winning season? And he was able to do that. I mean, the Browns looked pretty efficient. He lost Odell Beckham Jr. Probably for the better because we all know how much headaches he causes in the locker room and on the field. But when you go out there and you play the Chiefs in a competitive game, even in the playoffs, I think – you know, that's pretty deserving of the money. But does that mean that Baker Mayfield's just going to get the whole world thrown at him immediately with all this money? Probably not. Because, you know, let's not forget. Let's not – let's jog our memories here and realize what Baker Mayfield was a year and a half, two years ago. And that was a guy that's probably going to be out of the league soon or at least on a different team. So I don't want to base off on, off of one year. But the year to have a good year was this past year, right, because he's due for that extension coming up. And, you know, he was able to be successful and, and lead the Browns to – the playoffs and not only the playoffs, but a playoff win going on the road there in Pittsburgh and be able to knock off Big Ben um, and those Pittsburgh Steelers who were hot early on in the season and then, you know, fizzled out late. Now, real quick, um, to bring into the to bring something up as well, and we're, we're on the subject of quarterbacks here. And I found something um, the other day that was really interesting and that was really telling. Um, I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. Uh, here it is. I found it. So, from 2009 to 2016, there have been 22 quarterbacks drafted. All right. Now, that, let's just put this in, into perspective. There have been 22 quarterbacks that's been drafted in the first drafted in the first round between 2009 and 2016. Do you know that out of all 22 of those quarterbacks, there's only one quarterback that's still in his team in probably won't be there for very long Carson Wentz so I think with everything that's gone down with Jameis Winston with Marcus Mariota with Carson Wentz with Jared Goff I think everything that's gone down with these quarterbacks the evaluation of the quarterback position is going to change because of course, when you invest, when you want to invest in a quarterback, when a team wants to invest in a quarterback, of course they're going to do their homework because you know they're going to you know dive into every little detail of their lives because this is the guy who's basically going to be the face of your franchise. But with all of this happening and all these quarterbacks, I won't say they failed, but they didn't have a whole whole lot of success with the team that drafted them. I do think that the evaluation process and how teams are going to be so uh, meticulous about how they look at the quarterback position now, I think that's going to change. That's going to be an even more exuberant um, exuberant um, examination as a result. Look at Jared Goff here, and you look at the trade in general again. Jared Goff actually had two Pro Bowls, 2017-2018. He also threw for over 4,000 yards twice. And his highest completion percentage of his career was actually lower than Mario's at 67%. Mm-hmm. Now just 1% below. But Mariota had a higher completion percentage um, if you look at career highs. But it, the key for me was, and the reason golf got his money, much better offense with Sean McVay. Of course. Right? And then you look at you know more winning seasons. You look at two Pro Bowl selections. So that's probably why he got his money. But we didn't touch on the Matt Stafford effect here. A veteran guy. This guy threw for 4,000 yards last year with probably one of the worst offenses in football. And now he's going to go to a team where he's already got established Robert Woods. He's got an established Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby is a solid tight end. Uh, probably not for fantasy purposes, as Tanner and I know. But uh, <laughs> he, can, uh, he can pull What's through he for you when uh, he's their third or fourth option. And then Cam Akers, shout out to Cam Akers, stepping up big time late in the season because this is a guy who was kind of buried underneath Daryl Henderson Jr. and Malcolm Brown during the season. But now he got the reins there late in the regular season into the playoffs. And he really showed out. So they got a pretty dynamic offense there with a great head coach. So look for the Rams to possibly win a division. Now, my point about all this was, is San Francisco going to get back to being healthy? Are they going to get to Sean Watson? That's still a rumor that's out there. So probably it's probably unlikely. But if they're stuck with a quarterback competition, or Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else, 
look for the Rams to sweep in there and take advantage of a weak Seahawks defense in that division and possibly get to the playoffs, maybe get a high seed and some home field advantage. So that's where I think the the big question is going to be messed up. For Jared Goff going to the Lions, that's a work in progress. They got a a new coach for feels like the 10th year in a row. So, you know, we'll see what happens with with that whole situation. But I don't want to let this go here. I want to make this point, and I'll throw it to Tanner to, to get more facts and more opinions. The Eagles roster is terrible. I don't want misplaced anger here, T. I get it. Wentz had a bad season. We can go on and on about his completion percentage, about his leadership, about the rumors. But this this roster is absolutely atrocious, and I just want to go through it with you. You get no argument from me on that. <laughs> the, the anger here has to be placed on, one, Jeffrey Lurie for lying almost every single day for the Philadelphia <laughs> fans. And two, ridiculous. Roseman. I mean, what press conference – do you step to the podium and you say, I love the fact that our general managers put together so much talent on this team? I mean, your leading receiver had 539 yards last year. Barely cracked the 500-yard the 500 mark. You should be able to get 500 yards through eight weeks if you're a really good receiver. We don't have one. Travis Fulgham was our leading receiver last year. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that was non-existent the last like five weeks of the season. He had exploded on the scene for like three or four weeks there. Probably got like 400 of his 539 yards in a three-week span or whatever. Yeah, that's ludicrous. And then you got you got let's say here Dallas Goddard, a solid a solid year. You had Greg Ward who led your team in targets. When Greg Ward is leading your team in targets, how good of a team are you, T? How good of a team are you? Oh, I, I mean, I, I can tell you straight up, the team was horrible. <laughs> Getting an argument for me. Defense, your defense, the linebacker core is weak. I think Alex we Singleton and TJ Edwards were two of your top three tacklers last year, and that's probably just by default. Yes, because you need somebody to tackle the opposing players, right? Yes. And the linebackers are, are the ones moving mostly uh, east and west there on the you know defensive line and obviously back there in the secondary. But the anger here has to be placed on Howie Roseman. The anger should not be placed on Carson Wentz or even Jalen Hurts for that matter. I don't think there's any anger placed on Hurts. I mean, this is a guy that just kind of got the opportunity to step in. He's a great guy off the field and what he's been doing in the community as well. So I just want everybody to realize how atrocious, atrocious is the key word here. I'm not using a bad a bad term. Atrocious is this roster. Marcus Epps, another guy. Terrible. I mean, look all up and down the God. roster. Roby Coleman, awful. Maddox uh, is terrible. Uh, Derek Barnett. A bunch of low lifes. Cravion LeBlanc had a one spark two years ago. Jannard Avery, who I don't even know who that is. What's he here for? John Bradley, who was who was a rookie player, didn't do much. Jaquette, well, God, I don't even want to mention his name anymore. Good. Will Parks, who was here for a cup of coffee. Oh, I you mean, piece of Swiss cheese. Besides, besides the guys that like Andy Reid got maybe late, like like the Brandon Grams and the Fletcher Cox. Where, where's Howie Roseman's gem on that defense? He signed Javon Hargrave. Who? What? What the hell did he do? He didn't. He was, first of all, he was hurt a little bit, and then he 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 didn't perform. He was supposed to be like, I'm gonna get like ten sacks this season. I don't even think he what? got one. So I just want to wrap up the Eagles topic before we go to the Sixers. For people to really understand out there listening, don't be frustrated at Carson Wentz. You you can be frustrated. Don't be mad at him is what I should have said because he had a bad season. I get it. The stats tell the story. But when when your leading receiver is a guy that you just pull off the practice squad in week four, I mean, how about you go out there and try throwing the football? And let's see how well you do. That's just What's up? Listen, Carson Wentz is going to get traded. I also – He's going to get traded, and and he's going to go somewhere, and he's going to be a good quarterback. I tell you that right now. And we're going to look back on this. We're going to be fiddling with Jalen Hurts. We're going to be fiddling with maybe another quarterback in the draft soon. And I just want people to realize that we had something here, and our ownership and our general manager brought us down. There it is. Tanner, your last thoughts. I also want to bring up that Jalen Mills would like to return to the Eagles. So oh. uh, that's another thing to add. To this. Oh, no. Howie Roseman. Somebody else take over, please. <laughs> Howie Roseman, a guy who's depended on Deshaun Jackson, um, didn't put um, Alshon on the pup list. Um, he got Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Uh, it, it's just, it, it gives you a headache just the thinking Alshon about how, how this huge. team. It's a roster spot. Yeah. He's taking up. He's not even playing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, so then you have, then you have Sirianni. 
um, over here who he lies in his first press conference with the team says he didn't think about uh, the quarterback situation with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. It's an obvious it's lie. It's funny to you me. take too. a spot on this team where you're not sure who the starting quarterback's going to be and you didn't even think about it. It makes no sense at all and it's ridiculous. It's stupid. Tate, I'll throw it to you. You want to go to Sixers? I mean, I can touch on this all day. We start ranting back. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get to the Sixers, man. Because I because right. wait, yes, I will, man. I will go off on this team. I have so many complaints, but let, let's just move on on to the Sixers. Let's, let's get, talk about a productive team, you know, with good ownership, a good general manager, and an MVP front runner. And that's Joel Embiid and this. I hear you. Now, I only want to touch on the recent game against Portland because oh, God. Okay. you have some lay egg type of games. I get it. I'm embarrassed. They only had nine players. That, that's what gets me, right? Damian Lillard is not playing. Yurisif Nurkic isn't playing. CJ McCollum isn't playing. Zach Collins isn't playing. I mean, this goes on and on. We're only missing Ben Simmons. And that really, you know, was the factor right there, Tanner. Yeah, you mentioned that. Only nine players, and we still lose by that margin, too. It, it was really rough in the middle of that game. Um, the Sixers just didn't – it was it wasn't Joel Embiid's fault at all. Uh, he was still Are playing you kidding at 30, me? 37 points, I believe. He was still he was still one of the players of the game, even though they lost. Um, it, it just was not a good game. Um, and it, it, I, I'll give it to Mag. You can have a team to, to drop games like this but not a team at the Sixers rank who still needs to prove something. Uh, you have that Lakers win, but they still need a little more. Um, you need to, you need the Sixers team needs to prove more because of the teams that they've been playing. All right. They, they played the Hornets three times. Um, and luckily we were able to get that taken care of the series sweep, but it's just the teams. You look back at the history of the game, you really just look back at that Lakers game as impressive. All right, Joe. I, hey, after... hey, quick, I just say something, and I want to throw it to you. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this fact. Burt Khan, Cork Moss, played 38 minutes last night. 38 minutes. It's an outrage. Cork Moss. How is that possible? It's not possible. <laughs> I am pissed off. All right. Take it over. Take it over. Let's, give, give, me, give me something. Okay. So I, I, I agree with you. I Court Miles was pissing me off last night. I'm not even going front. I was like, man, if this man shoots the ball one more damn time, I can't <laughs> you not. I'm gonna I'm going to go off in this studio. But <laughs> but I, I kid you not, last night it, it seemed like the starting five at center was Joel and B, power forward Joel and B, small forward Joel and B. Sprinkled in with a little bit of Tobias Harris. Tobias, uh shooting guard, Joel and B, point guard. Joel Embiid. That's literally what it seemed like last night. It was Joel Embiid and everybody else yet last night. And I, you know what? I, I came to the conclusion last night, and Tanner's going to look at me shocked when I say this. Okay, look, uh, I know I, I, I chastise him, I abuse him, I consider him a a least basketball athlete due to the fact that he refuses to shoot the damn ball. Oh, Tay, bring it on. However. I I now see the value of Ben Simmons without without yeah. his ability yeah, there we go. to shoot the ball. Max, okay? he's and woken last up last night. Last night showed me that. Like the the distribution of the ball was different compared to the Lakers games and the rest of the games that I've seen in this season. Okay, look. Okay, now I, I see Ben Simmons' value. All right. All I'm saying is though it it helps further the offense if he does every once in a while shoot the ball however i see his value i've seen the light leave me alone all right i i've I've accepted the fact that i was wrong all right don't rub it in i'm not going to tolerate your crap today i won't now now this also shows the under performance of of the bench and players alike like danny green um, Seth Curry, I believe, I believe they had a combined three points, um, in that game. Furkan, uh, we mentioned him one of seven from oh, three. That was terrible. Uh, I think he was five of 14 field goal wise. And we can win games without Ben Simmons. It, it's it. We, we can only, we can barely, I don't, we only won one game without Joel Embiid. I think we can, we can, uh, this team can handle themselves without Ben Simmons. It's just that performance that they put on. Nobody was really. No, nobody was performing well in that game except yeah, for no. Joel Embiid. Now, of course, if you want fouls in a game, you put Dwight Howard in for ten minutes. He gets four fouls, um, and that's that. That's his featured play uh, <laughs> of the game. But yeah, it's really about the bench 
and the other surrounding cast around Joel Embiid that didn't step up. They didn't perform like they should in times like that when you don't have one of the two starters. Do we know it's hard? Embiid or Ben Simmons. Shake Melton's been a disappointment for me lately. This is guy was up around 20 points per game. He's really struggled. Um, and by struggle, I mean he's only getting up to 12. So I'm not going to hate on him that much. But I just need a little bit more out of Shake Milton as our sixth man. This guy was sixth man of the year in the running for it, uh, at least early on in the season. He's been slacking off a little bit. Tyrese Max is a guy who we don't even think about anymore. But if you look in the box score every night, this is a guy who's giving you 14 points, shooting the ball efficiently. Last night, he shot five of eight, two of four from three, and gave you 15 points. And he also gave you four assists as well. So, I mean, that's a pretty productive outing for a guy who I thought should have started. No idea why Furkan Korkmaz started last night, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. Listen, you got your all in B, 14 to 21. He's not shooting the three ball anymore, at least as much, and that's perfect. And, and when he does, it usually goes in. He's, he's really picking his spots. But Danny Green, I just need some more from Danny Green. Like one of five, all five of his shots were from three. This is a guy that's a veteran player. I know his his you know his trademark is the three point basket, maybe a little bit of defense. I just need to, I need more aggressiveness. I need more drive into to the paint, getting foul, getting to the free throw line. Um, and Seth Curry didn't score all against the Hornets. He got he got destroyed on a screen last night. Uh, his, his face was uh, Carmelo Anthony set one, and he it was just in, the impact was incredible. So I hope he's okay. I mean he he said he wasn't feeling well. He got yeah. taken out of the game. And rightfully so. I mean, that was that was ridiculous. I thought I'm surprised he was able to get up, honestly. But uh, if we want to win basketball games, that's the guy we're going to need. Like he needs to get back to knocking down those threes and giving you close to 20 points a game. And last night, Tobias Harris shot five of 14. It wasn't a Tobias Harris kind of night. 12 points and 11 rebounds. But you look at the the other team in Portland. I did, Enos Cantor. Let me look at this. If I'm reading this correctly here, Enos Cantor, 17 points and 18 rebounds. I'm sick of this. Are you kidding me? 17 points and 18 rebounds from Enos Cantor, a journeyman center. I mean, I'm assuming most of that was against Tony Bradley or Vincent Poirier or Dwight Howard, maybe somebody. It wasn't against Joel Embiid, I'll tell you that much. But Carmelo Anthony, we made Carmelo Anthony look like New York Nick Prime. Carmelo I was about Anthony. To say, that man looked like he stepped in a fault in the youth last night. That was yeah. ridiculous. Covington, and then all of a sudden, Gary Trent Jr., who I know I'm a big college basketball guy, he was okay at Duke. And usually you say that and you're like, wow, okay, what does that mean? You know, everybody that goes to Duke should be first-round NBA talent. He was okay. He really wasn't that great at Duke. And then he what? comes into the NBA his first couple years, he wasn't awesome. I'll say that. Last year, he really took that step forward. And now this year, because of all those injuries, he's getting more playing time with Portland. And he's really been able to he's, – he's one of the best three-point shooters this season. It's a flat-out fact. I mean, if you look at the stats. And Rodney Hood coming off an Achilles injury uh, last season – he had shot seven of 14. I mean, they shot the ball around 46%. I mean, that's pretty that's impressive. Ridiculous. And then, and then if you, if you cut out, like, uh, if you cut out, let me see here down, down below, a couple of guys here, Anthony, Anthony Simons shot four of nine, like guys, you don't expect to step up and play well. These guys probably were just hungry. They weren't getting any playing time and they all come in there and they're shooting all around 50%. So the key for me last night was a three point shooting shot 25% from three. And that's, that's not going to win you many basketball games because no. of where we're at in the NBA these days, you need to have a knockdown three point shot. So I don't want to harp on one game. I mean, we, 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 we did have to travel second out of a back to back. My point about Ben Simmons here to before I throw it back to you guys, <laughs> the stuff that he brings on the defensive end, the, 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 the ball movement, the passing, the transition offense, being able to get out there and run. It all sets up, everything else the shooters being able to kick it out to danny green being able to kick it out to seth curry cork miles when he's hot which is rare but you know ben simmons really is the guy that not the leader uh maybe the leader in the locker room because Embiid really is quiet and he speaks with his play on the court but simmons is is our best defensive player one and our point guard when you take take chris paul off the, off the suns right chris paul's not the best player on the suns that's Devin booker maybe even deandre ayton but take Chris Paul for that team. The Suns aren't the Suns, right? You take Ben Simmons off of court. He's not your best player, but everything else around him just sinks. And on top of that, we don't really have a true backup. I mean, Shake Milton is more of a scoring point guard. Tyrese Maxing more of a scoring point guard. You know, a guy like Ricky Rubio, a guy like Rajon Rondo, I think would fit this team well because their, their goal in their heads is not to score the basketball, it's to get others involved, which is why I think that would fit our system a little bit better. Not saying that we're going to go out there and get them on the trade market, but maybe maybe a buyout candidate. I know Rondo signed a, a, a 
multi-year deal there with the Hawks. But I'm not sure about Ricky Rubio. Those are just two names I throw it out there. What what do you guys think as we approach this deadline coming up? Maybe another bench piece. Tanner, you mentioned the bench is a little weak. Tell you how about what do you guys think? Are we going to go out there and make make a, a smaller move or or two maybe? Well, I've always said that they need to really um, build on that bench. I've always said that. Um, I've always said that they, need, they do need to add a shooter or two to to that bench because, and that that was evident last night where you know your starters couldn't really get it done. But if you but if your bench provides that spark to keep you in that game, you know it it, it can do wonders. You know it can keep you uh, motivated in the in the game like that. So you still need to build on that bench. Like I, I don't think they should trade for another superstar. I, I think we're good in terms of superstars unless you know unless the Wizards want to give us Bradley Bill. Then sure, absolutely. But I think at this point we need to continue building that bench um, for more shooters. I agree. This is not a this is not a good game going into that Nets matchup against James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and I'll tell you what if Ben Simmons doesn't play in this game, I think he will be set to go. That's why he rested with that that calf tightness. Um, and the game it's going to be a bad game for the Sixers. And you look ahead if if the Sixers are without say Ben Simmons because of his defense going into a playoff series against the Nets, it's not going to look good for the Sixers at all because you have Ben Simmons for that defense. Uh, The the Nets so far, they don't have a good defense, Um, but James Harden, he stepped up against Kawhi. Tell you that the highlights in the game, it it was impressive to see him stepping up against Kawhi with a, a couple of those possessions, but you have, that great offense on the Nets, they go to the other side of the ball with that weakness in defense, and that, that's where the Sixers get the the edge over the Nets. Yeah, listen, the Nets coming up this week, it's going to be a good test. I hope that everybody plays because I know the Nets have a game before ours. that they, They're actually playing the Sixers on the second night of, of a back-to-back as well, and they got to, not that they're traveling too far, just coming down from Brooklyn, but I'm hoping they don't, you know, rest James Harden and make one of those. Guys. I just really want everybody at full strength. I'm hoping Ben Simmons plays as well. So we'll see. Going, I still like us as a top two seed in the East. I think we're right there with with the Nets. So we'll see. I'm not. I'm again. I'm not. I'm not buying into that Bucks stock. I'm just not a huge. Fan. I think the. I think the Celtics are maybe even a little bit bigger of a threat when Kemba Walker gets healthy and takes that next step. You know, because he hasn't really gotten back from that injury early on that knee injury. In the season, he missed like the first 11 games of the year. So if he can get healthy with the Celtics, I know they don't really have a big man. Like Daniel Tice is probably their biggest threat inside. Which, But, but you know, when you have three guards or four guards, even Smart, Tate, and Brown, Walker, it's a pretty dangerous combination there. And then a little bit off the bench. But listen, guys, I think that's wraps up for our show today. Unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Tate, go ahead real fast. Well, okay. So before I, you know, do my outro and things like that, um, for the first time in this program, after admitting, you know, I, I do see the true value of Ben Simmons, I will give myself gladly one of these. You big dummy. All right. Now, on that note, if you guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. We are available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. All right, boys, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go make this money over this Super Bowl weekend. All right, hey, next week we could be talking about a Carson Wentz trade. Who knows? That's true. Boots to asses. Give the people what they want to see. Quit yucking my yum. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Get the f-